0: Hey, welcome to our podcast. I'm Phil Stringer, worship and creative arts pastor at Calvary Church. We hope you'll find something every week that inspires you and encourages you in your faith. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so that you'll never miss an update. Hope you enjoy the message. Over these last few weeks, we've been uh, just seeking the Lord's direction for the, the word uh, that I'm to bring from the pulpit here, and of course we're in challenging times, places we've never been before, and uh, so I've been asking the Lord for direction and uh, bringing messages that I think uh, the Holy Spirit has prompted me to bring to us. There's a difference between a sermon and a message, and my prayer is that, the, that we're getting the message of what the Lord is wanting to say to us during these days. This morning... Seven Steps to Spiritual and Emotional Health. Seven Steps to Spiritual and Emotional Health. I know you don't need this, but you know people who do, so take notes today, okay? Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And verse 4. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report... If there be any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Wrong thinking can be hazardous to your health. The scripture says, as a man thinketh, So is he, I believe he's right. How do we deal with things like depression, self-pity, worry, fear, anger? People have said to me for years, well, you just don't understand my situation. You don't know what I'm going through. You know, uh, uh, nobody really understands where I've been. Nobody's ever gone through what I'm going through. I wanna say to you, that is a lie. There's nothing that you're facing There is nothing that you're going through that somebody else has not faced, somebody else has not dealt with in their lives and got through it successfully. Do not believe the lie from the enemy that says nobody has ever faced what you're facing. That is simply not true. Other people have, and by the grace of God have made it. The Apostle Paul wrote the words I just read to you. He wrote them from prison. You know what he was waiting for? He was waiting for his head to be taken off. If you think you've got problems, just set them aside and listen to what God says through the Apostle Paul this morning. These principles, I know, will make a difference in your life if you'll apply them because they're the Word of God. They're not Ron's principles. They're the Word's principles, the Scripture principles. Here's number one for anybody taking notes. If you're going to live with a spiritual and emotional health, number one, you have to find your joy in the Lord. Look at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Find your joy not in circumstances, not in things, but in the Lord. Jesus said in John 15, These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. If you got joy from your circumstances, you've lost it during this pandemic. If you get joy from going places and doing things, you've lost it during this pandemic. If you got joy from your business and your business is struggling, your joy is lost. If you got joy from your health and and your health is broken, then the joy is dissipated. But if you have the joy of the Lord that comes from him you're okay because he doesn't change. I am the Lord, I change not. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Joy is in him because everything about him is of of completeness and joy. In him, we are complete. The psalmist, Psalm 16 says, thou shalt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Have you learned that? Have you learned to get your joy from the Lord? The Lord himself is your joy and the joy of the Lord is your strength. I'm grateful this morning that I serve a God who doesn't change, he is the same. Yesterday, today and forever that that even in the midst of whatever I'm dealing with this morning and whatever I'm going through is he is still my source. He is still my strong tower. He is the mighty God, and my joy is in him. So in the face of this pandemic, I can still have the joy of the Lord in my heart. And by the way, it says when you have that joy, you have strength. Many people have lost their strength because they've lost their joy. Find your joy in the Lord. Secondly, if you're going to live with spiritual and emotional health... You've got to practice the presence of God in your life. Verse 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Some people believe that's talking about the, the second coming of Christ. I don't think that's what Paul meant at all. I think he meant that the Lord is right here with you. The Lord is near. If you're going to be healthy spiritually and emotionally You have to realize that God is with you every moment of the day. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Remember the promise in John 14. I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him for he dwell in you. He dwells with you and shall be in you. The Lord is near. How near is the Lord? He's as near as the skin on your bones. He's as near as your next breath. He is present with you wherever you are 24-7. That's why we don't come to church to feel the presence of God. A large percentage of our body is still at home and, and we understand that. But I'm grateful today that in your living room, in your bedroom, in your kitchen, wherever you are, and if you're in this place, you can still feel the presence of God because the presence of God is not in a building. Well, maybe I need to unpack that. You didn't come here today to feel the presence of God. You brought the presence of God into this room. He doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. He dwells in these temples. Is that good news or not? So when I'm out here on 85 or 40, the Lord is present. Oh, hallelujah. When I'm in my office, the Lord is present. And if for some unknown reason, I go to Walmart, the Lord is present. He is here, he is present. The Lord is near. You cannot get away from, from the fact of, that, of his presence. If you're his child, he is present with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And when you acknowledge his presence that we talked about a couple of Sundays ago, then you feel his presence. I acknowledge his presence today in this house. The Bible says not to forsake the assembly of yourselves together. Those of you who are joining us online, you are together with us as we gather in this house and together we praise the Lord. Together we worship the Lord and together we feel his presence in a powerful way because we've joined together with other brothers and sisters of like precious faith. Practice the presence of the Lord in your life. Wherever you're at and whatever's going on, I want you to be reminded of the fact the Lord's here. The Lord's right here. The Lord's present. Well, that may keep you from doing some things you shouldn't do, too. The Lord is with you. Here's the third one. This gets worse now as we go. So you missed two great opportunities to say amen, but now we come to the third one, which is refuse to worry. Mm, mm -mm. Verse six. Be careful for nothing. The word careful means don't be pulled apart. See, a person who worries is on the fringe of schizophrenia. They're divided. We're being pulled to pieces. On one side, there's fear. And on the other side, there's hope. And we're somehow struggling between fear and hope. And we're worrying about tomorrow. Get this, the English word worry is the word for strangled. Jesus warns us against this worry. He told us not to worry. He said that worry is worthless. Here's what Jesus said. Can anybody take an anxious thought, by taking an anxious thought, add one cubic to your statue? See, the best thing you can say about worry is, it does no good. That's the best thing I can say about it. Not only does it not do any good, it's absolutely harmful to your life. Not only is it worthless, it's wasteful because Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. See, God has engineered things so that you take one day and live one day, and by his grace, you live one day at a time. When you worry, you are borrowing tomorrow's strength today. And when you do that, when you get to tomorrow, you're out of breath. Because you've already expended tomorrow's strength on today's problems. Worry is wasteful. It doesn't take the trouble out of tomorrow. It takes the strength out of today. Let me say that one more time. Some of you didn't get that. I said, worry doesn't take the trouble out of your tomorrow. It just takes the strength out of your today. The psalmist said, once I was young, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, as I quoted earlier, how it must grieve the heart of God when we don't believe that God can take care of us. Worry is an insult to God. It's worthless. It's wasteful. You see, when you start worrying about Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, you don't have grace for Monday yet. God's grace is sufficient for every day. I don't have grace for Monday yet. I've got grace for Sunday, thank God. But if I worry about tomorrow and I worry about Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, you know there, there are things I can anticipate that are gonna happen this week that I've gotta deal with and issues and challenges, all that stuff. But if I worry about it, then it messes up my Sunday. Come on, don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Some of you are sitting here so pious. You waited late three nights this past week over stuff. God's grace is sufficient for every day. You don't have grace for tomorrow yet, but when you face tomorrow, you'll have grace for it. Refuse to worry because worry is worthless, worry is wasteful, and worry robs you of the strength you need for today. Don't you wish those that needed this were here? Refuse to worry is principle number four for those taking notes. Bring every problem you have to God in prayer. Verse six. But by everything with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. Don't just pray about large things, pray about everything. He said, I am the Lord your God. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? I've heard people say, well, you know what? uh, I just bring the big things to God and the other things that I deal with every day. You know, I don't bother God with the small things. Let me help you. Everything is small to God. There are no big things to God. Everything is small to God. So you might as well go ahead and tell him what you're dealing with today. Because that's far better than telling everybody on Facebook. Isn't it amazing how we tell everybody our problems, but the one who can help us. It's the Lord. by everything with prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known unto God. I'm grateful this morning. I don't have to go through a pastor or a priest or anybody else to get to God today. I have access to the very throne of the living God this morning to make my request known unto him and his ear is inclined to my heart cry today. Somebody say amen to that. Well, six of you so far. Is anybody grateful that you can go right to God? Is anybody grateful that you have access to the God who spoke the worlds into existence? He is available to you this morning. Mm. The fifth principle, develop a thankful heart and spirit. Develop a thankful heart and spirit. There's one characteristic I found of people who are emotional and in trauma. They do not have a thankful spirit or heart. Look again at verse six. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, here it is, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You see, when you learn to thank God in all things, it's the highest expression of faith with thanksgiving over the last several weeks it seems like there's a thread that through all the messages that we have been bringing to you about how important it is to stand in the face of whatever is going on in your life and be thankful and worship God in the face of it all over the years i've been in a lot of homes of people going through crisis I remember one a while back where a man and his wife were were taking care of a a mother with Alzheimer's. It's one of the most difficult, tragic things to deal with. My partner and I have facilities where people are housed in memory care facilities that we take care of people. I know how difficult it is. I know if somebody's at home trying to take care of a loved one with Alzheimer's, it's 24-7. And I went to that home to, just to be a minister to that family. I was welcomed in by Ben man and his wife and we we're taking care of a mom. And just coming into the house, I didn't feel anything depressing. I didn't feel anything down. I just felt a freedom. And all I heard from that man and his wife were how much they are grateful to the Lord for his help. How thankful they are that God has given them strength every day to take care of mom in the face of such a tragic thing when you're dealing with somebody you love who can't think for themselves, they can't ultimately, they can't feed themselves, they can't do anything for themselves ultimately. And yet, in that home, all I could find was a spirit of thankfulness to God. I went there to encourage them and they encouraged me. Because they figured out how to survive, how to get through some of the most challenging moments in a family, some of the most difficult times in a family, and that is in the face of it. Just be thankful to God for everything, every little thing, everything that God does to help us, everything that God does to provide for us, everything God does to support us in the midst of whatever challenge or crisis you face. If you'll acknowledge him, he is our source, your strength. Just thank Him for every detail. And when you thank Him for every detail, your spirit is alive, your mind is fresh, and you can make it through whatever it is you're dealing with. Amen. Amen. They're going to make it. We all need to live in Romans eight twenty eight. In everything... Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It didn't say for everything, give thanks. It said in everything, give thanks. The Lord Lord is not the author of sickness, disease, and death. The enemies come to kill, steal, and destroy. But the Lord said... And whatever you're facing, and whatever challenge you're going through, whatever difficulty you have, in the midst of it, I will be present. I will walk with you. There's a fourth man in the fire, and his name is Jesus. And he will walk with you in the midst of that difficulty, in the midst of that problem. Nobody ever knew what we'd be facing for the last five months not only just in America, but in the world with a pandemic that we've been dealing with. I was a little insulted the other day. Somebody told me I look good in my mask. (laughs) I hate those things, but you need to wear it. No matter what your theory is, I need you to wear it for me. In the midst of whatever it is you're facing, in everything, not for everything, but in everything, I'm going to give the Lord praise. I'm going to have a thankful heart and spirit. I don't know about you, and I've said it before, I'll keep saying it till somebody gets it, and it's this that I've never seen somebody with a bad attitude and an ungrateful heart that was happy. See, I've made a decision a long time ago I'm going to live my life with an open hand, not a clenched fist. There's so many people that choose to live their life where they see the whole and never the donut. The glass is always half empty, never half full. I came here today to mess with you and tell you if you want to be spiritually and emotionally healthy, you've got to change how you see things. you got to change how you look at things. I choose to see the opportunity. I choose to see God working in the midst of every difficult situation. I want to tell you this, brothers and sisters, the Lord did not author this pandemic, but He he in fact wants to do something in you through this pandemic so that you're better, you're stronger, and you're more effective come January 2021 than you ever were last February. I'm, I'm applauding for the rest of you that don't applaud. Because I promise you, God wants to do something in you. I don't want to be the same man when I get through this. I want to say, God, teach me something here. And I can tell you one thing: He's trying to teach me is patience. I am not a patient person. I'm ready for all this to be over. So in the midst of all this, in the midst of every challenge, every difficulty, we're facing, there's some principles to live in. They're biblical principles, biblical principles. I'm grateful for every day. I'm grateful for birthdays. If you complain about your birthday, you and I are not on the same page. Because for for some reason, you haven't figured out the alternative. I'm grateful I got up this morning. Check my temp. I'm good for today. You know, there's some people, I mean, they they sit at home and the first thing they do is look at the obituaries to make sure their name's not in it. (laughs) Excuse me. See, I think I'm going to believe what the Word of God says, and that is I'm going to live an abundant life. I'm not going to exist. I'm going to live. Does anybody want to live today? I'm not talking about just breathe. I mean, live. That brings me to the sixth point. And the sixth principle is this. Practice kingdom thinking. Think like a person of the kingdom of God, not like a person of the world. Verse eight. Finally, brethren. Oh, I love this. This just irritates people. Because it's not Ron saying, this is, this is the, the Apostle Paul getting ready to get his head chopped off saying this, okay? Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Oh my gosh. See, the Bible absolutely teaches thinking positively about life. It's your mind that controls your actions and you need to get control of your thought life. And you can't get in control of your thought life if you read everybody's opinion on Facebook or Twitter, whatever it is. There are a million opinions about what's going on right now with this COVID. All of those in a buck and a half will get you a cup of coffee at a gas station. I choose not to get involved in all the opinions. What I choose to do is keep focused on what matters. Amen. Hallelujah, come on somebody. I don't live in denial. I know what reality is, but I make a decision about how I'm gonna look at all of it. The Bible says, Isaiah 26:3, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. You need to get your focus on the Lord in the midst of all of this. Remember that little proverb? You sow a thought and you reap a deed. You sow a deed and you reap a habit. You sow a habit and you reap a character. You sow a character and you reap a destiny. It all begins in the thought life. As a man thinketh, so is he. One of the things that we do in churches, I'm working with several churches around the country right now, is we've made a decision as a church, and I hope we can implement it here, and it's simply this. We're not focused on listening to people who will tell us what's wrong with the church. But we are listening to people who will tell us how to make the church better. I mean, I understand that's a different attitude because when you're when you say pastor i got an idea how we could make first impressions better or i got an idea how we can do this better i'm listening you know why because you're in it with me when you say that but if you're going to sit around as an armchair quarterback and tell us what's wrong with everything around here we're not listening to you get some skin in the game we're our entire staff is listening to anything we can do to make this ministry better But we're not gonna sit around and listen to people just criticizing what they don't like. Mm Mm-hmm. The Amen's are drowning me out now. (laughs) You know what I used to do is uh, I got some folks in the room here, Larry, my friend from I was his pastor for a lot of years. I never was out front greeting people when they came into church. After church, I'm available to, I was available to everybody. I'd, I'd stand and talk to people uh, until we lock the doors. But before church, I'm hiding out in my office. You know why? Because I don't want a joy sucker to get to me before I get a chance to preach. Amen. 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 You know, those people who just walk up to you and just <laughs> suck the joy right out of your life in a moment, you know? Because the devil uses that to, to mess with your mind. I'm gonna keep, I gotta keep my mind focused on the, on the message. I gotta keep my mind focused on, on church, not on fixing everything that's wrong with other people. After church, we can fix anything, but don't mess with me before church. Whichever things are true, whichever things are honest, whichever things are a good report, meditate on that, think about that. Focus on that. Fifteen prominent college professors took the challenge. Here was the challenge. If all the books that are written on, on human behavior, on motivating people to live emotionally healthy, they were asked, these 15 professors who taught this, if you could just tell us one thing that's the most important thing of all, all the books that have been written on motivation and on spiritual and emotional health, what, is, what would you tell us? They deliberated, they pooled their resources, they wrote, rewrote statements, and here's what they all came up with. What the mind attends to, it considers. And what does that mean? It just means that if you hear something and you think about it, you're gonna consider it. See, when you give attention to it, you're going to consider it no matter what it is. What the mind attends to, it considers. Here's the second thing they said What it does not attend to, it dismisses. If you don't keep your mind on it, you're gonna lose it. There's no way to hold on without keeping it, your mind on it. What the mind attends to, it considers. What it does not attend to, it dismisses. Here's the third thing they said. What the mind attends to continually, it believes. What the mind attends to continually, it believes. If you attend to something and think about something and keep your thoughts concentrated on it long enough, you're going to go, it's going to go from your head to your heart. What the mind attends to continually, it believes. Let me put it down to where some people in the room live and beyond this wall. There are people that I've counseled, I've worked with over years who are, who are emotionally Sabotage because of something that was said to them when they were 10 years of age. Something that was said or done to them when they were eight years of age. They were told something about themselves that was a lie. It was a lie, but they thought about it and thought about it until it became something they believed about themselves. How many people have said to me, my daddy said I'd never amount to anything. My mama said I was going to be in jail and here I am. My daddy said I was no good. What people said about us, many of us didn't dismiss we thought about it long enough until it became what we believed about ourselves. How does a person who's been abused come to the conclusion it was their fault? How does that happen? It makes absolutely no sense. But somehow they are told it's their fault and they finally believe it was their fault. They were the victim and now they, they, they believe it was their fault of what happened to them. Tragic. All of it were lies, but yet it controls people's lives 30 years later. The lie controls their lives. Most people live in emotional bonds today because of lies they believed about themselves. That's right. You heard it. What's the lie you believed about you that's affecting who you are today? My father was a prison chaplain for years. Now, most of the people he interviewed, they were all innocent. But the other common denominator, in almost every one of them, 16, 17, 18, 19 years of age in prison, was I was told I was going to end up here. It became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Somebody somewhere needs to come to understand that what somebody says about you that's hurtful and destructive should not define who you are. I'm thankful this morning that there's a God of grace that says others are not going to define who you are. I will determine who you are, and you are a person that I gave my life for. I died for you so you could have life, so that you could be free. It don't matter what your daddy said, and it doesn't matter what your mama said, and I could care less about what that... Policeman said, what matters most of all is there is a God who loves you, there's a God who believes in you, and I will refuse to accept the lies other people said about me. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. What the mind attends to continually, it will believe. And here's the tragedy. And what the mind believes, it eventually does. The thought is the father of the deed. That's the reason the apostle Paul declared, finally, brothers and sisters, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, Think on these things. Is anybody getting this? Attitudes do determine our actions. Beliefs do determine our deeds. God has so engineered you so that you cannot be thinking two thoughts at one time. If you're thinking what is right, you cannot be thinking what is wrong. And my prayer today is in all of us in the face of whatever we're dealing with today will come to understand that we have to practice the presence of God in our lives. We have to make a decision about allowing the thoughts of God to become our thoughts. Number seven, and I'm done. If you're gonna live with a spiritual and emotional health, you've got to live in your purpose. Everybody in this room has been given purpose and direction for your life. Some people live in it and some people don't. Is there anything you do in a week's time that excites you? Is there anything you do in a week's time that motivates you? You see, if you're doing something that motivates you, if you're doing something that you're passionate about, you'll, you'll never burn out. See, here's how I know know this, because if I take the garbage out, I'm tired. <laughs> you know why? I do not want to do it. You can, you know, if I go shopping, I get tired. I don't want to do it. But if I teach somebody, I'm energized. Everybody needs to do something every week that energizes your life that gives you some kind of fulfillment. Whatever it is, you need to be doing something every week that does that for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Live in your purpose. Do something every week that gives you joy. Do something every week that motivates you. Do something every week that makes it all worth it. I put up with all the other stuff just to get a chance to preach on Sunday. There was a pastor friend who had an Indian guide take him up into the North Carolina mountains a number of years ago. They uh, went on horseback as far up as they could go. And then they walked another mile to the edge of of a cliff. And the Indian guide said, Pastor, I want to show you something. And as they stood on the edge of that cliff looking down into the valley, the Indian guy began to point out to the pastor there were eagles that were down in that valley on the ground. They were alive, but they were on the ground. And the Indian guy said, We call this the moping period for eagles. Something happened to them. Something got them stuck down there in that valley, and they have not had the strength to get out of there. And so that's where they are in that moping period. But the guy said, let's just hang out for a little while. I want to show you what happens here. And so as they hung out there, they begin to notice other eagles flying over that valley where those eagles on the ground were. And those eagles that were flying overhead begin to drop morsels of meat down into that place where where these eagles were. Morsels of squirrel or or other kinds of meat that the eagle had killed. Just dropping it down there where those eagles were. And here's what the guide said to the pastor. If they will crawl over and begin to eat the meat, if they will eat the meat, it will give them strength. It will give them the strength they need to climb the mountain, find a rock where they can begin to scrape off all the, the residue and barnacles off of their talons so that they can fly again. But he said the key to them getting out of that valley is to eat the meat. And I thought, what a powerful story that is for all of us in the middle of this pandemic this morning. I came here today to tell you eat the meat. I came here to tell you stop believing what people on Facebook are saying and believe what Almighty God says, believe what His Word says, begin to declare His Word, quote His Word, sing His Word, believe His Word. If you want to get out of that valley, you've got to eat the meat. Say it with me. Eat the meat. Come on, say it. Eat the meat. Climb the mountain and go to the rock. There's restoration available. But you've got to make a decision. Are you going to live Overwhelmed by the situation? Are you going to live in depression because of the circumstance? Are you going to live in defeat? Or today will you just eat the meat? Just eat the meat. Climb the mountain. Go to that rock. You know why? Because God's desire is that you fly again. I said God's desire is that you fly again. Whether you're... Whether you're on your couch or you're in your kitchen, or you're in this room, the Lord wants you to spread your wings and fly again. He's got plans. I said, He's got plans for you. Not of evil, but to give you a future and a hope in the midst of this pandemic. Lord, I thank you this morning for your word. It gives life. Lord, I thank you for the principles of your word the apostle that you brought to us this morning they're not Ron's principles, they're your principles Lord I pray that folks all over this room and beyond the walls of this place will eat the meat today to believe what you say to believe what your word declares today so that they can get the strength to fly again Lord I pray your Holy Spirit would just put your arms around people in this house and beyond these walls that your spirit would minister life and healing and wholeness today in Jesus name would you stand with me all over the room today everybody standing please in this moment we're gonna to sing together we're gonna to worship the Lord together and right where you're at I want you to make an altar where you are and let the Holy Spirit apply to your life which of those principles you needed to hear today which of those principles you need to in integrate into your life today? Because if you will, it'll be a game changer this week for you. Amen? Aren't you grateful as grace is sufficient for every day? Amen. Let's sing together. Lauren, come. Come. Lead us. Lead us. Join together as we sing now. Come on.